Welcome to How I Work, a show about the tactics used by leading innovators to get so much out of their day. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm an organizational psychologist, the CEO of Inventium, and I'm obsessed with finding ways to optimize my workday. This episode is another My Favorite Tip episode. The title is probably pretty self-explanatory. It's about my favorite tip from each of the interviews I conduct. I use this format because I sometimes feel myself as a podcast listener that I just want to get in, get the most amount of value from an episode and then get out. So in this format, that's exactly what I do. My guest today is Julian Morrow. Julian is co-founder of The Chaser and Giant Dwarf. And he's been the executive producer, writer, and performer on various shows, including The Chaser's War on Everything, Hamster Wheel, and The Checkout. I first met Jules when he and Chris Taylor from The Chaser emceed a big awards night my company Inventium puts on annually. And I remember grilling him on the joke writing process because I was so fascinated by it. So in this clip, Jules starts by explaining a definition of comedy that he really likes. And we get into talking about how do you actually make something funny? So on that note, over to Jules. A few years ago, I um, hosted uh, Friday Drive on Radio National. And that was a great gig to just be able to interview people who happen to be in town and stuff like that. And I interviewed this guy who was an academic about comedy. And I was a bit sus of it because, you know, like what could be more boring than doing academic studies of, of, of comedy? But I had this guy in and um, he gave a definition of comedy, which I actually thought was really, really solid and identifies the key of what makes a joke work. So he defines, I can't remember whether he's defining comedy or a joke, but he basically says it's the benevolent violation of expectations. That what you do is you set up, the, the setup, as it's literally called, you set up an expectation. The joke, the punchline, is essentially a violation of that setup. It's something unexpected that happens. And then the other thing that he added in is that it's benevolent, that the reason that everyone laughs is because at some level it's okay. They, and it is very true that a joke, while it might be written by one person or a group of people, uh, laughing is a, it's sort of like a communal experience. It's, um, I suppose when you're reading, it's not. But even then, it's a, it's a communication between the person who's written it and and, and the reader, uh, in a room, studio audience, or a you know a comedy venue. It's a community thing. It's basically the audience understanding something that, in a way, you haven't said. It's like the it's you, you're you're playing with people's expectations of the, of the meaning. I think that's a really good definition of what a what a joke is. And the benevolence important. Uh, and we we learnt uh, later on that um, sometimes if the audience doesn't share your your sense of the benevolence, then things can get pretty ugly. And that's when you get all these sort of taste and decency. Uh, controversies but essentially a joke is about setting up an, an expectation and then doing the opposite and there are lots of different forms of that one of the simplest is the rule of three you know a b everyone assumes it's going to be c is going to be one thing and then it's something else that's that's the obvious form of it and most comedy is a form of that uh, it's also usually it's also sort of indirect it's usually the, the intended meaning is usually not the literal meaning. So, you know, even like, you know, Jane Austen and things like that, it's a lot of irony. And when you, you, you know what's really going on, even though the characters are saying something else and those sorts of things. So, yeah, so it's, um, it's a craft and it's a craft you can learn and you get better at it with practice. And we did it for a long time, starting off with a newspaper, which we used to put out fortnightly and just sort of 
spend sleepless nights working up silly jokes that no one read, but that was sort of our training ground. But yeah, I mean, in the end, it's a pretty simple craft of make people expect one thing, do the other. When you spend a lot of time writing comedy, you know almost instinctively what the obvious and easy joke is. And, and you know, they're obvious and easy because they work most of the time. If you can do something that, that's a bit more un- unexpected, and I suppose the Chaser style was to do something that was a bit harsher, a bit more, that went places that other people wouldn't go, then people really respond to that. Yeah. Um, is there an example you can think of of a, a, a joke or, or a skit or a segment that was on the show where... This is kind of what the obvious thing would look like, but here's where you decided to go oh. instead, or even in more recent times. Um, it's hard to put your finger on, um, but there are things like after 9-11, one of my favourite jokes was uh, a headline, uh, Centrepoint, uh, which is you know Sydney's Centrepoint Tower, which was, I think, at the time, the largest building in, in Sydney, probably not now. But the headline was Centrepoint Jumps 2 in World's Tallest Building. <laughs> Uh, rankings like and that was like this very very lateral angle on a horrible tragedy we thought that was you know, some, some people didn't like that joke uh, I, I thought it was funny and I thought it was far enough away perhaps not in time but in sort of the, in, in its angle and, and things like that for it to be funny at the time um, we had some controversies over the years with jokes that where we made jokes about things that other people think shouldn't have jokes made about them. And I suppose that's an example of jokes that really divide people. The people who find those funny, I think, then develop an, a loyalty or affection for you, for you for sort of going there. And But then people who hate those jokes hate you. Uh, and I suppose another one would be the uh, Chris and Andrew's eulogy song, uh, which was built around the premise that you can't be defamed when you're dead at one level and also that even horrible people are thought of fondly in death. And so we essentially did this, this, this sort of roll call of dead Australian celebrities that was extremely offensive um, and, but, but was also making, I think, a legitimate point um, in a way that no one else at the time probably would have done, probably because they had some good sense. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that was... Um, and then, actually, the punchline of that was another good example. Rhoda McManus's wife, Belinda Emmett, had died not long before this. And, you know, obviously that was just a, a, a tragedy and a horrible thing to happen. And even though we'd made jokes about all sorts of dead people, we, we knew that that at the time, to have made a joke about that would have just been completely... That would have been over the line, even, even our line, right? Um, but the, the punchline of that... Of that song was actually Andrew at the piano saying the words Belinda as if he was about to launch into this joke right um and that was genuinely no one and we were sort of like oh no stop 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 of course it was never intended that the joke would be done that was the, that was the joke um but I think that's an example of being so unexpected that it, that it kind of worked. Although some people at the time wrote that up as, and the Chaser team had to shut their colleague down as he was about to launch on, you know, and you're like, well, God, what do you people think? Like, they, it's amazing how if you, if you don't want to understand a joke, you can really, really, um, you know, tie yourself and everyone else up in knots. Hi there, it's me again. I found it so interesting hearing Jules talk about writing jokes. 
it's it's personally something that I think about quite a bit, particularly when I'm writing new material for keynotes. I feel that these days as a keynote speaker, or really for anyone that delivers presentations as part of their work, you have to be funny and entertaining. Like it's not enough to just have good content because good content is accessible so easily these days online. So for me, when I'm critiquing new material that I'm delivering, I think about the metric of laughs per minute and that if I'm going for over a minute without a laugh, then I need to inject some more humour. So that is it for today's show. If you like this excerpt, you might want to listen to my full chat with Jules, which I link to in the show notes. And if you're enjoying how I work, I'd love it if you could take five seconds, maybe right now, to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this episode. Leaving reviews makes it easier for other people to find this podcast, and it also happens to bring a huge smile to your host's face. Yes, that is me. Um, So thank you in advance if you're planning on leaving a review. It is muchly appreciated. So that is it for today and I'll see you next time.